hey, of all the places you could be today, thank you for including us in your day and making us a part of your day. Welcome to the quest. It's always good to be together, especially if you happen to be checking us out. So before we get into the talk, how about if we open up with a word of prayer? I just want to pray for you and with you. I know that God is interested in what's going on in your life. More than what's going on in your life, God's interested in what's going on in you. God's interested in you. So let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you. I thank you for my friends that are listening. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Though they might not even feel like a lot is going on in a positive way in their lives. Father, you are working. You're working behind the scenes. You love them and you care for them. Father, I ask that you give us faith and give us strength, give us encouragement for the challenges in our lives and give us faith for where you're leading us. Father, give us faith to know you and to trust you as you desire. Father, give us faith for this relationship that we have with you and that you desire to have with us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we continue our series that we're in entitled simply Ask. And, and the tagline on this is this, your questions matter. And that is so true. The truth is, is that we all have questions, every one of us. And our questions are so important because our questions really define us. Listen, asking questions is important because asking questions helps us to discover God. It helps us to grow in our faith. It helps us to develop our faith. The challenge is, is that many of us carry our questions and we never ask them. We never seek out the truth about them. We never look for answers. And what happens is then these questions in our lives turn into doubts that define our lives. I want to encourage you to ask the questions that you're carrying in your life. I said this before, but if we don't ask the questions, then we stop growing in our faith. But we also get develop a warped perspective of who God is. Something that we've said in this series is that the church should be a safe place to ask questions. The church should be a place that celebrates the truth and the pursuit of truth. And something you can write down is this. The Holy Spirit was given to us to help us discover the truth. To help us find the answers to the questions of our lives. You have your very own teacher, the Holy Spirit. He was provided for you to deal with your questions. To help you pursue the truth. To enable you to discover the truth. Jesus told his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I would love to remove any stigma that's attached to your questions or asking your questions. Because your questions are healthy. Your pursuit of truth shows your desire for God and your desire to know God. So the question that we're looking at today is, what is heaven like? The good news is, heaven is better than Fresno. I know that's hard to believe, but heaven is better than Fresno. I feel like this is an important question because our knowledge of heaven feeds our desire for heaven. In our family, we have many friends that refer to Texas as the promised land. They call it God's promised land because there's so many things about Texas that they love. There's so many things about Texas for them that make it better than any place on earth. But believe me, heaven is better than Texas. What's sad is that many people live as if this earth is as good as it gets. There's a country song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. They're okay with going to heaven, but only when they're done here on earth. They're ready for heaven when they're tired of earth. When they've done everything that they've wanted to do here. Listen, for many people, heaven is not the primary place they want to be. For a lot of people, earth is the place they want to be. Again, because many people live as though this is as good as it gets. 
The problem with that thought process is for those that know God, this earth is as bad as it gets and it only gets better. For those that don't know God, this earth is as good as it gets and it only gets worse. We have to understand that God created us to live on. God created us for eternity, to live for eternity. So when these bodies cease to function, when they stop working and no longer hold our spirit and our soul, we don't cease to exist. God designed our spirit and our soul to go on to live for eternity. And where we spend that eternity is up to you and I. It's up to us. Truthfully, we can spend it with God or away from God. It's your choice. It's my choice. But I want you to write this down because I think it's a really important point, and it's this. God wants to spend eternity with you, and he's done all that he can to make that happen for you. See, God created the idea of heaven, and the place of heaven was made for you. But heaven is not the default location where everybody goes. God is not trying to keep you out of the place that he made for you to live in. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Listen, heaven is not a projection of the best that we can think up. It's not a longed-for utopia. Heaven is not a place here on earth, no matter what Belinda Carlisle sings. Our imagination does not make heaven, nor does it define heaven. And here's why we need to know that we can't describe what God has prepared for us. Listen to the scripture. It says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So something that was important that we need to understand, you can write this down. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. God created everyone to go to heaven. He made it possible for everyone to go to heaven. But he gave us the choice whether we would enter into heaven. It's our choice. Not everyone goes to heaven. You don't get into heaven because you're a good person or because you did good things. Jesus told his disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So your ticket to heaven is your faith in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, your surrender to Jesus. So why would we want to go to heaven? For some people, they want to go to heaven because it's better than the alternative. But that's not the right reason to want to go to heaven. Other people look at heaven as a fire insurance policy. But heaven wasn't created to be a fire insurance policy. See, the problem with that thought process is our motivation to go to heaven is based out of fear rather than faith, rather than our love for God. Let's look at a few reasons why we should want to go to heaven. The first and the primary, most important reason is this. We'll be together with God. We will be united with the creator of our lives, the lover of our soul. We need to understand what happens when we leave these bodies. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians, it says, Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. God wants us to be fully confident that to be absent from here is to be present there. In other words, our last breath here on earth, that it's followed by our first breath there in heaven. Revelation gives us some descriptions of heaven, and it points out this one issue I want to read for you. It says, people will worship God and will see him face to face. That may not seem like a big deal, but you know what? If you go through the Old Testament, 
No one has ever seen God face to face and lived. The message of heaven has always been nothing between us and God. Listen to this description of heaven and let it whet your appetite. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. See, the relationship that we have right now with God that begins here on earth by faith is continued there in heaven in person, face to face. That is exciting. Another reason why we want to go to heaven is this. We will be together with loved ones. This isn't the primary reason for desiring heaven. Heaven is a place of perfect happiness. And one of its greatest joys is that we will be reunited with those who have gone there before us. King David said this about the loss of his infant son. He said this, he says, someday I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. David felt great loss, but he knew and he was confident that he would see his son again. In the book of Thessalonians, it says this, and now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. It goes on to say in the message translation, it says this, Oh, we'll be walking on air and then there will be one huge family reunion with the master. So reassure one another with these words. I love that. Reassure one another with these words. Remind each other. Remember, this is not all that there is. Remember, heaven is better than Fresno. Heaven's better than Texas. So set your hope on what is to come. John wrote about being taken to heaven and what he saw in this vision. And, and listen to what he says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, it's important to know that John wrote this and had this vision when he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. He was removed from the church that he loved. He was removed from the friends that he loved. He was removed from the family that he loved. He was isolated and alone. And many scholars believe that John's reference to no more sea is in regards to this. The sea was a barrier that prevented him from being with those that he loved. So the term no more sea reminds us that heaven is a place of no more separation, no more isolation. As believers, we look forward to being reunited with family and with friends. But let me say something carefully also in regards to this. When being reunited with loved ones becomes our primary purpose for wanting to go to heaven, our primary reason for wanting to go to heaven, then what we're doing is we're really making our loved ones our God. It can actually be a form of idolatry that keeps us out of heaven because they become the primary focus of our love and our longing. And that belongs only to God. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Of course, we are excited to see our friends. We're excited to see our loved ones. But God is our primary reason for wanting to go to heaven. He is the love of our life. Man, there are so many reasons why we should want to go to heaven. I can't list them all, but let me give you another one. Another reason why we want to go to heaven is heaven is a place of wholeness. Heaven is a place of peace. Heaven is a place of restoration and healing to be renewed to the condition that we were created to be in, to live in. 
No more sickness, no pain, no sadness, no death, no sin, no hunger, no thirst, no racism, no murder, no fear, no more tears. Let me read it for you out of Revelation 21. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. I love that scripture because it points out that God doesn't just comforts us, He heals us. He doesn't just say, hey, you know what, you're going to be all right. He personally takes away the pain. He personally touches us. He personally wipes away our tears. Again, I know that I'm not addressing all the different attributes about heaven and even some of the questions that you might have about heaven, as well as all the reasons why we would want to go to heaven. But think about it. We get to worship God face to face. The streets of heaven are made of transparent gold. The foundation of the city is made out of gems. The gates of the city are made out of one giant pearl. The walls of the city are made of jasper. There is no sun or moon because God is the light. We'll get a new body. No more failing in our walk with God. No more sin that we have to fight against. No judgment. How awesome is that going to be? I want to encourage you to read Revelations 21 and 22. It gives a great description about heaven and what that, what's going to be like. But I can tell you, according to Revelation 21, what heaven will not have, and it will not have any death, it will not have any sorrow, it will not have any more crying, no more tears, there will be no more pain and no more sin. That is going to be an awesome place to be. So when we know about heaven, when we know the attributes of heaven, as we discover what heaven's going to be like, how do we respond to this knowledge? How do we respond to heaven? I would say this, let me write it down. Let heaven excite you. Listen, we've learned over time that all the securities of this life mean little and they have no bearing in our lives. They don't last. The comforts of this life are not what's important. Scripture says that we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Another scripture says this, for this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our city in heaven, which is yet to come. They say that home is where the heart is, and I hope that you are excited. And I hope that your heart is there in heaven. Your desire to be there is resident in your life. You're, there's an excitement and an anticipation about going there and living there. Another response to heaven is this. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Because home, again, is where the heart is, it's what we spend our time thinking about. Spend time thinking about heaven. When we think about heaven, we're not worrying about what's going on here. Colossians says it this way, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. See, when heaven fills your thoughts, it changes your perspective. Listen to how this reads. It says this, that we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, that they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. In other words, heaven is a permanent location, a permanent dwelling place. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration compared to what's coming 
Living conditions around here seem like a stopover at an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. That's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do regardless of our conditions. Sooner or later, we'll all face God. Regardless of our conditions, we will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. And I hope that that scripture changes your perspective. I hope it gives you an optimistic outlook on what is ahead. I hope it changes your perspective even on the conditions of life that you live in now. See, when heaven fills our thoughts, you can write this down, it keeps me looking up. It keeps me looking up for help. It reminds me that where my true home is, it gives me courage and strength for what we need every day. I would encourage you to look up, to make that a practice in your life. Don't get so preoccupied with this world that this world becomes your home location. Also, when heaven fills our thoughts, it reminds me of the audience that I live for, that I live for only one audience and that is for God alone. I live to please Him, as that scripture said. So it sets my desires on God, and I'm challenged to trust God more. I look to God for the strength that I need in life. When heaven fills my thoughts, my current circumstances don't seem so final. Because our current circumstances are just temporary. When heaven fills our thoughts, we're reminded that we are here for just a short time. Heaven lasts forever. The problems that we face are preparing in us a desire for a better place. When heaven fills our thoughts, also it reminds me that I was created for more than here. I was created for more than this. God has put heaven in our hearts, a taste of what is to come. As I said, we're citizens of heaven. That is our true home. And when heaven fills our thoughts, I don't allow myself to get discouraged. The way that that scripture that we read said it, it's, it said, that's why we live with such good cheer. You don't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. See, heaven fills us with hope and encouragement. So when you start to feel down, start thinking up. Also, when heaven fills our thoughts, we want to help others get there. We live with a mission of sharing the hope that fills our hearts. We live with the purpose of helping people connect with God. We live with the desire to tell people about Jesus. The last verse of that passage that we just read says it this way, that that's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. See, when heaven fills our thoughts, when we think through the lens of, e of eternity, when we think through the lens of heaven and God's love for us, as well as God's judgment for us, 
We want to take as many people with us as possible. I want to challenge you to live with eternity in mind. But I also want to challenge you as you encounter people in your life that you understand their eternity without God and what that means for them. Do all that you can to help others get ready to go to heaven. The great reward that God has for us, this place of beauty, this place of perfection, this place where we are reunited with God, we're reunited with loved ones. It's coming soon. It's going to happen soon. And I hope that you're excited about that. Don't let this world get you discouraged. Let heaven fill your heart. I want to remind you of one thing that I said earlier. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. In other words, we have to be in relationship with God. We have to be surrendered. And if you're not, you can do that right this second. And you can be guaranteed that you're going to heaven. If you surrender your heart, you surrender your life, you surrender your will, your desire, you make your life about God. When you say, listen, God, I want you to be in control of my life. I want to know you. and I want you to work in my life. I want to live for a bigger purpose than myself. I want to live for your purpose. When we come and we put our faith in Jesus and his death on the cross, that Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. And not just that, but that he died and then rose again. And he rose. He is the first of all of us that will rise again. You can begin that today. Just talk to God and tell him, I want you in my life. You may not understand what it all means, but when you give God permission to work in your life and you surrender, you say, God, I need you. God's going to come in and he's going to transform you. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you and I just lift up each person that's listening to you right now as they are responding to you and, and ha they have this desire to surrender their hearts. They have this desire to surrender their lives to you. They have this desire to know you and to make you their purpose. They want to go to heaven. Father, I ask that you would step in right now and that you would wipe away the sin, wipe away the, the fear, that you would forgive them, that you would give them new life, that you would give them new purpose to live for. Father, I ask that you would help each of us to live with eternity in mind. Help us to live with heaven as it fills our heart. Listen, heaven is the place that God has made for us. Heaven is the place that he desires us to live with him and to be with him. I hope that you're excited about that. And I hope that you live expectantly. I hope it changes the way that you live so that you live worthy of heaven. Listen, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us. Hope that heaven fills your heart. I hope that you're excited about what's to come. I hope it brightens your day and it gives you hope for tomorrow. Have a great rest of your week. God's best to you. Bye-bye.